Welcome to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and convention coverage, hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. Helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other listeners, find links to our Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube pages, support our Podbean crowdfunding campaign, and much more. Star Wars Action News, covering the whole galaxy of Star Wars toys. Welcome to another episode of Star Wars Action News. I am Marjorie. And I'm Arnie. And I'm still alive. Well, Well, you survived. I'm going to have to give you some credit and perhaps I'm going to have to adopt the Arnie way. You only fist bumped with people at Celebration. I felt a little bad because there's this meme going around the 15 other people you see at geek conventions, and one of them is the person who's trying not to catch the germs in the crowded, sweaty arena, and I felt like that was me. Well, I shook hands, I hugged, and I came down with influenza. And I'm not talking like pukey flu. I'm talking I had the thing that you got the flu shot for, which I conveniently forgot to get this year. And I've been sick for about a month. And it was pretty shaky for about a week. And the week after celebration, I think I spent the entire week in bed. Well, after celebration, you needed the sleep anyway. I I did, but I was really sick. In fact, you went to C2E2 the weekend after, and you were hesitating because I could not make it. There's no way. Plus, they told me I couldn't go because I was contagious. Yeah. But I'm like, just go. I'm fine. There's people I can call here if I need anything. Yeah, so I did go to C2E2. You are better now. I am. Let me tell you, people, fist bump. If I don't hug you, and I know I may have hugged you in the past, I may have shaken your hand. I'm very sorry, but I was really sick. I I can't stress how sick I actually was. It's very funny. The crowd we went to dinner with the very last night, about half of you had the plague. Yeah, I wasn't the only one who came down with a specific strain of influenza. So kudos to whomever was patient zero. It's the hottest con exclusive. Hot with a fever. (laughs) That's true, I was running a fever. And I haven't run a fever in, like, forever. What's up with that? It's like 101 degrees. So we're sorry about the extended absence and only sporadic word through Facebook. But we also did actually have a vacation vacation planned where we didn't expect an entire month off of podcasting due to illness. But we did celebrate our 15th wedding anniversary, also known as celebrating the 15th anniversary of Attack of the Clones. And the... 15th anniversary of Celebration 2, because we the week before our wedding, we blew off wedding planning and final wedding prep to go to Celebration 2, because why not? You know, I can spend three days in Indianapolis having a ball, and I did have a ball. So now that we have all the sickness out, all the celebrations out of the way, all of our anniversary out of the way, we're back, and guess what? We're prepping for San Diego Comic-Con in, what, two months? <laughs> I can't believe it, but they're announcing the exclusives already. No Star Wars exclusives yet, but Thundercats and Twin Peaks and Marvel and all kinds of other exclusives. So too soon. (laughs) That's how I feel. I also apologize because at Celebration, we did our live show. I fully intended to release that as a full video podcast, but we had an audio problem with the feed. It was not suitable for release. So everyone who came to the live show... 
thank you for coming. It was actually a really good crowd. It was a really fun time. I had the most talked about picture with the Jar Jar flash mob and handing out those Jar Jar masks. I had put on Facebook a few months ago that I just may have picked up the best celebration swag, and I think I did, because everyone got a Jar Jar mask, and a few people got Mace Windu masks. I had... It was Easter. We had Jesus. Oh, those, those were Qui-Gon. That's yeah, right. I thought Qui-Gon. they were Jesus. It wasn't Jesus masks. It was great to have everybody put on their mask and take that photo from the stage of just a sea of Jar Jars. And I'm telling you, Arnie, 2018 is going to be the year of Jar Jar. I'm saying it right now. I have loved Jar Jar for years, 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 years. And there are a few other people like me, like Chris Botkins, who's a friend of ours. Him and I talk about Jar Jar collectibles. And there was a lot of Jar Jar swag this year, some of it insulting. So what you're saying is you don't talk very often. Ouch. Jar Jar was a theme. I got... I think I'm up to like 18 of those Jar Jar pins from the store. I am trading people still for the Jar Jar store pins because I'm just going to make a giant framed Jar Jar pin picture and put it up on the wall of my office because it's awesome. Somebody had a button with Jar Jar flipping the bird. Ryan Dukes had the Jar Jar Appreciation Society badge. I'm telling you, he is going to be hot. It's going to come out the other end and... I have a lot of Jar Jar stuff, and a lot of people are going to be scrambling to find it. Now, you guys are going to raise the price on my Jar Jar stuff, because most of it I pick up for a song. In fact, one thing we discussed at the live podcast, probably worth reiterating, is our best purchase at the con. And I think, even though I purchased it for you, it was an early anniversary gift. Mm -hmm. But at the swap meet, the always crowded, amazing event that we run every Saturday night at Celebrations, I found you... A prototype Attack of the Clones Senator Jar Jar figure. Yes, he is awesome. I am so happy with him. He's beautiful. He's just wonderful. I got myself a nice Greedo that night, still in baggy from the Sears Cantina set. He was packaged with the blue Snaggletooth. So now I've got kind of a grail out there to think about getting a complete Sears Cantina. It's one of the collectibles I've never owned vintage is the Sears Cantina set, either Mm. loose or packaged. I mean, it was out so long ago that I was not buying toys back when it was the Sears Cantina. I got into it when Greedo was in the main line. And I guess we should point out the reason that we got our stuff together to record today. It's Star Wars' 40th anniversary. Oh my god. You remember 10 years ago was the 30th anniversary, obviously, with math and everything. And 20 years ago was the 20th. But what I'm saying was there was Celebration 4. Yes. And it was over Memorial Day weekend, remember? Yes. And that was a big deal because they had the stamps and then the first day of issue stamps, and you could get those at Celebration. Oh, right. And you could mail them uh-huh. and yeah. get them stamped, like, canceled that day. Yeah. A lot of cool stuff went for the 30th. It seemed like because of Celebration going on. I wish they'd pushed Celebration out a few weeks so we could have that again. I know a lot of people who wish they'd pushed it out a few weeks because... It's cool. Yeah. But you're right. This 40th anniversary, we're going to talk about it. But as far as news, I think the biggest celebration is Hasbro with their 40th anniversary line of figures. Mm-hmm. Follow us on Facebook and on Twitter, Twitter, SW Action News. Links are from SWActionNews.com. We're going to post any 40th anniversary surprises. I think all the companies did all of their big Star Wars surprises for May the 4th Be With You, which is a pun 
but it's not actually celebrating anything Star Wars other than celebrating Star Wars because we all love Star Wars. Today is 40 years from the day that Star Wars hit theaters, and I'm hopeful that there will be some surprises. There will be one coming to us. We don't know the details, but our friends at Hasbro's PR company have told us that they're going to be sending us something to review for the 40th anniversary. So Marjorie, you're going to be doing a live unboxing. I am. I'm going to be doing it all alone. So please tune in tomorrow evening. I'll, I'll try to post the time so people know when to tune in. I'll give you a heads up instead of just going live randomly. It'll be in the evening, yes. six or seven central-ish. Yeah. I can't be there because I've got to go see Pirates of the Caribbean for now playing. I'm winning here. <laughs> you get Star Wars toys. I get Johnny Depp. Ooh, damn it, now you put it like that. So, we'll see if there's any other surprises from Gentle Giant. It is Thursday, the day Sideshow puts a lot of stuff up for pre-order, so maybe they'll spring something on us. I wonder if it's going to be like May the 4th, where it was like kind of like President's Day, where everybody had a sale on something. I mean, everything was 20% off, 10% off. You know, that kind of stuff. I guarantee you, because they've already emailed me, ThinkGeek is having a sale on the Star Wars merchandise that isn't moving. What? ThinkGeek's having a sale? Are you kidding me? Yeah. No. Now, also, while we're talking about 40th anniversary celebrations, we're going to talk more about the 40th anniversary later on. But Hasbro is doing a Hasbro Toy Pick photo series, and they want fans to kick in. Using your Hasbro Star Wars figures and vehicles, Hasbro wants you to... Post to social media, photos recreating scenes from Star Wars A New Hope, and tag it with hashtag HasbroToyPick and also hashtag Star Wars. And their favorite photos will be reposted by Hasbro or possibly even Disney's social media channels, and you may see it used at future events. Like, they didn't say this, but when I think of future events, I think of San Diego Comic-Con or future celebrations or... Has-con. <laughs> we'll talk more about Hascon in a few minutes. Wait, is this where you have to buy the whole seat, but you're only going to need the edge? So I'm sure you can find details with Hasbro, but yeah, you can. They just say post it to social, so I'm assuming that means any social media channel except perhaps Google Plus, because I still don't know if anyone uses that other than Google developers. Hey, I think I've got like four friends on Google Plus. Well, I, I don't know. I may have more of an accept of the request. I'll be honest. But using those hashtags, I'm sure they're going to be setting up alerts for themselves. Also for the 40th anniversary, the one store that's really getting in on the action is the mothership, Disney, the DisneyStore.com or Disney Store if you have one. They're going to have some exclusive items going up on sale. If you're listening to this, they went up for sale this morning at the website. They're going to be available at their stores. There's going to be a Star Wars Zoom Zoom 4-pack. That comes in a Millennium Falcon box. It's Han, Leia, Luke, and R2. And it comes in just this box that looks a little bit like the Millennium Falcon. You see a little bit of the cockpit off to the side. Please buy that for me. There's a six-piece A New Hope Christmas ornament set that comes in a Death Star box. And these are X-Wing Luke, Leia with her blaster, Vader, Chewie, Han, and then a C-3PO R2 ornament with two characters standing on kind of a sandy base and... The ornaments, they kind of look like the ones you see at Walmart. Yeah. But the box is nice. There's a 40th anniversary statue that's bronze in color, recreating the original poster with Luke holding that sword above his head. Like, 
He-Man would do in the 80s and Leia next to him in her sexy pose from that poster. There's a lithograph set. This is what I kind of want to get. It's limited to 3,300 pieces. I don't know why 3,300. <laughs> I think you'd do 4,000 for the 40th. It <laughs> seems like a really random number. But it's five Star Wars and New Hope posters, including a lot of foreign language ones. Hmm. I really love... I, I'm sorry, I can't tell what eastern language it is but it looks like chinese characters or something it's very awesome then they have the italian one and a very cool set and a pin set that comes in a nice box and of course the piece that would normally drive me crazy that i would have to set an alarm at three o'clock in the morning to get they're doing a two-pack of elite figures it's han and luke in stormtrooper outfit with helmets so what you're saying is we're getting up at like 1.50 a.m.? You know, we mentioned we took a vacation. Yes. For fun. We didn't have to go someplace to cover an event. We decided to go back to New Orleans where we took our honeymoon and saw Attack of the Clones and where we went on MSNBC to talk about our Star Wars wedding. Yeah. Well, this story has a point talking about New Orleans. We also did some toy runs. And one of the things we did was go to a Disney store where I saw almost every Force Awakens Elite figure for $5, and almost every Rogue One Elite figure for $7, $8, or $10. And it's really hit me that at this point, there's so many figure lines. I love the Elite figures when it comes to the Masked Troopers. I love the Phasma, I love the Vader, I like the Boba Fett, but... The human figures just aren't doing it for me, and in a lot of cases, if they're not original trilogy, they seem to go down in price. I think I'm going to be parting with a lot of my current elite figures. What? And only keep the ones that are troops or droids. So you might have been a little hyped. I might have been a little hyped, and I this is going to be the place where I jump off the elite figure train. Hmm. I'm proud of you for not keeping something that you don't like. Yeah, the faces just aren't all there, and when you take them out of the box, the screws in the back, I like them if you put them on a shelf and have them face forward, but... I tried to say this when you were buying these, I just want that to be on record. They were like, yeah, but it's really cool. I'm like, but look at the face. No, it's fine! Then the screws in the back, I thought they are very distracting. It's like a vacuum handle or something with those screws. It didn't bother me on the Phasma we reviewed back when, but the more I've opened, the more it has bothered me. And I've just kind of decided Hmm. that this might be a figure line that I don't like as much as Hasbro's, except in the case of the troops. And because they're a little bit bigger, you can't even really mix them, except for the Phasma, who's supposed to be really tall anyway. So I would then put your money into the figure arts or something. Yes, exactly. Or if I see this Han and Luke for $6... Maybe I'll impulse buy it then. Yeah. But I will be going to try to get you the Tsum Tsums and to try to get me the lithograph set. So that's about it for what we know of. Again, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. But to circle it back around, because we kind of dog-tracked into the 40th anniversary, I do just want to conclude Star Wars Celebration, you know, again, thinking back on Celebration 4, Celebration 2, but definitely this last one in Orlando. I just want to... Thank everyone who came up and mentioned the podcast, shook my hand, people we got to chat with, talk to, anyone who did the collection recollection segment. That was so much fun to meet 
so many collectors of all avenues, and I just had a blast at Celebration. You know, I was going to talk about my favorite collectibles. I love the Kotobukiya stuff. I like that Greedo I got. When I think back to Celebration, I think about the people. I think about the alcohol we imbibed after hours. I think about just walking to and from the convention center and talking about each person's daily activities and the fun they had. And It was kind of like walking home from school every day. It was a lot of fun. I even carried your books. You did. So did other people. But yes, it was a lot of fun. And you know, that's what it's about is the people and the friends. And I mean, we're everyone's so inconsequential. If you think about it, how many people were there? The most awesome part is who you hung out with. And those are the memories that you have. It's not, oh, hey, remember we went and bought this thing? We bought that. In 10 years, like we are on Facebook right now, we're going to be talking about, hey, remember we all went to this thing and we had a great time talking and everything? That's what the memories are. It was who was with you at each time. Of course, not everyone had great memories. There were some excessively bad lines in the autograph area. I ended up having to get a refund with my photo op from Alan Tudyk because even with a VIP badge, they could not get me in that line. Even though I was there before it started, by the time I arrived, they said the line's capped. Doesn't matter if you're VIP. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm getting 80 bucks back. And it's okay. I only bought it because at the time I bought it, they were sold out of individual autographs. I just wanted the autograph anyway. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for my VIP badge, I would not have gotten the autographs I did. Those lines were insane and poorly run and shame on tops for having such a debacle. Yeah. It was a mess. And I went on Thursday and hung out with a childhood friend of mine while she was in line for Peter Mayhew. And she had a medical badge. She was in a wheelchair and there was no medical line. So she had to wait in line an inch along with that, with the chair. And she actually had like one of the big electric scooters, but still it was a debacle because the cattle cars or rows weren't big enough to wind through and everything. It was a mess. Most of the VIP lines I was in were medical and VIP, or they do one medical, one VIP that have separate ones. I never saw any that did not have a line for the medical badges in the lines I went to. But yeah, it was a mess, but it was kind of fun to get Felicity Jones's autograph, even if it was a series of awkward photographs. If you see anyone, (laughs) including myself, who got a photo with Felicity Jones, they were admonishing you she doesn't like to be touched before you went back there, thus leading to so many kind of, it's almost like a photo bomb where you're leaning in towards each other, but not touching each other. It's not as bad as the photos I've seen with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Hers all look like she was keeping a mandatory three foot distance between her and anybody else. Like she was going to catch some sort of cooties from everybody. I mean, she's like kind of leaning in and everyone else is like three feet away from her. Yeah, that's really hysterical and i would be so mad (laughs) yeah i would be angry too i mean part of the fun is getting to like have five seconds with these people and it's like a really cool photo i mean i've got an awesome awesome chris evans photo that everyone likes says yeah you should never get another photo op because you can't top that because i went in and while i didn't touch chris he did touch me because i did ask for the gun show and i got the gun show Yeah, it's one of those things where if you can come up with fun poses, you get fun pictures. Yes. This just looked kind of contractually obligated with Sarah Michelle Gellar and to a lesser degree, Felicity Jones. Alan Tudyk was a pleasure to talk to. I'd never met him before, but while in line with him and also just the nicest guy you could ever meet. 
Forrest Whitaker, he's just a consummate pro who's been meeting fans for so long. He'd look up, he'd smile. You know, Riz Ahmed, he didn't even look up. He must have thought he was William Shatner or something. <laughs> he didn't feel like interacting with fans, at least when I was there. But I kind of wonder if sometimes these people get into it and they're like, this is not at all what I thought it would be. And I want to get out of here, but I'm stuck with a contract. Got to meet Hayden Christensen. I didn't have a whole lot to say to him, but I thanked him for coming and got my autographs from him. That was exciting. I would have said I loved you in Shattered Glass. And when you did that crazy car race, it came through my town. (laughs) I didn't want to bring up his race against Corey Feldman. And then fortunately, because of the VIP badge, I got to shop the night before the convention. So I didn't have a wait to get in the store. I did have a two hour wait to check out of the store, but that's still... Nothing compared to the people who tried to get in during the convention and who stood in line for three hours to get in and then had to still stand in line an hour to check out. Okay, I just want to say something. Celebration three, we spent an entire day. Now, I'm not saying, oh, we got out at like 2 p.m. No, we got out at 6 p.m. I think it was 7. 7? I think the floor had closed. We wondered if they were going to kick us out before we got to buy stuff, but they kept the store open later. And we were there by 10 a.m. when the doors opened and got in the line for the store. We were literally trapped in the store all day long. We were in a line. We could not get out. And by the time we got to the front, we almost bought one of everything. So I'm sorry, five hours. Really not feeling the the sympathies here. We did line up at like 6 a.m. that day to get in the building and went straight to the store line. And I will tell you that I have never had a better pizza than that night because we did not get lunch. We didn't have any beverages because they wouldn't let us out of the line. Because remember, it was in like a big hall Mm -hmm. and they had you snake through display cases of the items. I mean, you bought pencil toppers, foam pencil toppers, because we had been in that line so long. You'd seen them like 20 times winding through through the line and you're just like i want those now i'm like why i still have them they're in this acrylic display case yes they have yet to decompose yes but you know what you bring up and i look at celebrations past they had pencil toppers they had exclusive action figures i was in line to get the vader at celebration three that had james earl jones voice and of course celebration two with the sequel i remember i got like a ceramic bank, and I got all kinds of collectible stuff. And they had, I think, one or two shirts and one poster. I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed in the Celebration stores, and I I don't say this lightly, because I don't feel it has a lot for collectors. I talked about this in our live podcast, and I couldn't believe the big nods I was getting from the audience, because you stand in line three hours to get in, hope you like (laughs) t-shirts. It was like an Old Navy in there, right? They had just big bins with the sizes segregated of shirts. I want to say it was like 90% shirts in there. Seriously, I mean, there was the Sarlacc Pit plushie and the Jawa plushie, and I was buying everything quote-unquote collectible I could get. I was getting patches, and I was getting... They had some leftover stuff from Celebration Europe. I got like a CD of Star Wars dance music. And I mean, I'm looking for collectibles in a sea of shirts and dresses and hoodies. Well, they put the Her Universe store inside the store this year. And I know that really ticked people off. But honestly, everything that was available in that store is available at Hot Topic right now, guys. And you can get it 40% off. I just wish that it was like 
Celebration 5, I think it was, where they had the gentle giant statues that were limited of Mara Jade and some of those and just various collectible things instead of they're really creative shirts. And because I was waiting so long, I had a similar experience to Celebration 3 where I bought more shirts than I'll ever need. And one I really like. It's the AT-AT one that's kind of like an 80s rock band shirt. But truthfully, it feels like all the goods you'd get if you go to one of those stores. When you open a business, you know, you get all those flyers. Do you need pens? Do you need pencils? Do you need can cozies, shirts, bumper stickers, lighters? We have it all. The majority of what you find in the Celebration store feels like it came from one of those places. Like an advertising specialty company. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't feel like curated products that like are going to get you. There's nothing special other than getting the Last Jedi shirt, which people were crazy about because of the Force Awakens shirt two years ago. But they ran out of most everything by Friday afternoon. Yeah, who am I to judge? Obviously, they're making money hand over fist. Well... But a lot of these shirts, people were selling The Last Jedi shirts for $300 on eBay and people were buying them. Wow. And that's just a strange thing to me because to me, unless you're someone like Duncan, and I mean, I was doing this before where you look at every shirt and say, that's a collectible. Now I look at a shirt and I go, that's really cool clothing. So I don't see it as something I'd pay $300 for, but I'd like to just see keepsakes. I'd like to see stuff I could display and say, this is part of my celebration memories. I'd like to see souvenirs. And I don't think plushies fit that bill because they don't look good on a mantle. No, you're right. And I think back to like celebration two and three, we got a lot of fun souvenirs, mementos from the store. I mean, I'll remember the Sakuls as long as I live, just because that was really awesome. They're selling them at the store. And th- that store was really easily to get into, easy run. Everything was perfect about that. I mean, there's a few lines to get in, but it was really fast moving. And they had all the merchandise on tables. It's like shopping at a concert. Celebration 3, again, trapped in that line for a day. They had some really neat stuff, though. Remember that Yoda plush? Mm-hmm. That, I think that started your Yoda plush collection, didn't it? It did. Yeah, and it was really cool stuff. Celebration 4 was kind of wonky with, like, some weird, like, almost like employee appreciation gifts, like when you hit your five-year, ten-year, I mean, a messenger bag, a scarf, kind of strange stuff. And then they did something they'd never done before. They marked everything down 40% off on the last day. Yeah, and they haven't ever done that since. And everybody's like, I'm going to wait to shop on the last day because everything's on sale. No, if you wait till the last day, everything's sold out now. Mm-hmm. But they did have an exclusive figure at Celebration. It was that 40th anniversary X-Wing Luke, a repack from some of the very first six-inch Black Series figures Hasbro did. That thing was at times difficult to get, but there was a period, and this was Friday night, I believe, where I was able to just walk right down, hop in line, and in 20 minutes, walk out with my two. And that made a lot of people mad because they were doing the ticket system like they do at Comic-Con. And was it by Saturday morning they were out of Luke's, weren't they? Saturday at some point. They had none yeah. left for Sunday. And that's the Comic-Con rule. They're going to hold back an allotment each day, but they're not going to risk having to ship them home. So when no. Saturday comes, they're going to sell them till they're gone. And Saturday night... I did go back down just to see if I could get some for some friends who wanted them. And not only couldn't I get any, nobody could get any for the rest of the con. They did have them online at HasbroToyShop.com and they stayed online for half an hour-ish. But 
If you weren't refreshing that page or following us and set up for mobile alerts on our tweets, you didn't get a chance to get those. I would like to give massive shout outs to the Hallmark line because they had their stuff together. They were organized. It was orderly. The staff was nice. And they are. I love Hallmark. They do a great line of products and I like the staff. But they had people lined up and they would had someone constantly counting. And when you got to a certain point in the line, the guy was giving you a ticket so you could get your button. So someone beforehand asking you what you wanted. And when you got to the register, he was shouting numbers. And I didn't I didn't quite catch what the numbers were first. He was telling the people the total so they didn't have to add it up on the register. They could just hit a button and be done. So that's why their line flew. So he said, there you go, 81, 127, 36. And it was just the different prices. And that made things run so smoothly. And it reminds me of that old joke about the prison that's heard all the jokes, so they yes. just shout out the numbers. Yeah, I know. It, w- it was a phenomenal line. I mean, I really cannot say enough good things about how it ran at Celebration. Truthfully, I can say the same thing about Hasbro. When I got in that line, it moved fast. They had their stuff together. They were well-staffed. They knew exactly what to grab. It moved quickly. I understand the ticketing system. Not everyone was able to get a ticket. And then if you didn't happen to be there when they were closing down for the day and just letting people in free floor, you just couldn't get in that line. But if you got in that line, it was so much better run than Comic-Con. So much faster. Where I got in line was three aisles away. At San Diego Comic-Con, I wouldn't have gotten out of that line for seven hours. And I got through in 20 minutes. Big difference, though. There's like 20 items for sale at Comic-Con. There was one item for sale. No. Oh. They had more. They had the entire first wave of Black Series figures. Of course, faster than the X-Wing Lukes, they sold out of the R2s and the Han Solos. They also had, and I even bought one, the box set, the early bird kit with the six-inch Vader. They were selling a couple of the board games. They had an FX lightsaber. They had that Stormtrooper helmet. You could buy a lot of it cheaper on Amazon than you could standing right there at the store, but they had quite a few items for sale. Hmm. I think everybody was just buying the Lukes because unless you happen to live in Orlando, why would you ship stuff home? Again, Amazon Prime. Yeah. The R2s and the Hans, they'd be worth it because they're one per case on the original shipments of the 40th anniversary Black Series. But the rest of it, I don't know. I bought the early bird kit just because I hadn't seen them in person. I was in line and I decided at the last minute I wanted another one. I wasn't sure if it would be hard to find. Sure enough, it wasn't. But it's not like we weren't shipping stuff home already. That's true. Speaking of the 40th anniversary figures, I'm seeing a lot of reports from our listeners and on Yak Face, Jedi Temple Archives, that these are showing up in stores in mass. The only place I have found 40th anniversary figures, there's three places. There's Walgreens. That's the only place I've ever seen them live and in person. We saw them. At Game Stops. We went to New Orleans. We went to some Game Stops. That's true. I did see them there, I guess. The exclusive R5-D4s were plentiful. Every Game Stop we went to had at least two. And then at a Go Calendar and Games, which or it's I guess it's Go Games and Toys now. Until October when it changes into the calendar store. Right, but it actually had a permanent sign. It's like the calendar store decided it's easier to stay open year-round and just call themselves Go Toys and Games, and we went into that in New Orleans, they actually had the 40th anniversary figures, including the Han, no R2, but these things were pancaked. It was like some little kid threw them all on the ground and jumped up and down on the bubbles. I posted a picture of this, and 
one of our listeners, I posted the Han because he's hard to find. And there he was pancaked in a torn bubble. And somebody said, well, good. Now you can open your toys, which is what you're supposed to do with them. And Ouch. I, I get it. You got your card versus loose collector debate. I've never been one to judge how anybody else collects. Even when I was only a loose collector, I never judged the carded ones. But I get it. Except there's nothing about this Han except the card. They've released this Han <laughs> three times now. There was the Han that came in the original box, which is this figure. And then remember they did the exclusive, it was quote unquote San Diego Comic-Con, but it sat at Toys R Us for a year and a half, Han and Greedo two pack. Yep. So there's that Han again. Here's the Han again. If you want this Han, you have this Han. If you want him loose, you can get him loose cheaper this is all about the cards. There are some new figures coming out on the 40th anniversary cards, and there's the much improved Princess Leia figure. But <laughs> by and large, this is a collection for carded collectors only. Yeah, this is all about the card, I think, for this one. Especially that X-Wing Luke from Celebration. It was a foil card, but it was nothing but the card. It was the exact same X-Wing Luke. Now, admittedly, those first figures, the R2-D2, the X-Wing Luke, the Darth Maul, because a lot of people were like, I'm not going to collect six inch figures. I'm only going to collect three and three quarter inch figures. And now here we are many years later and they're like, well, all right, these six inch figures are cool and they want to go back and get the ones they missed. And so things like the Darth Maul are over $100 to get. Mm. And so in some of those cases, if you're a loose collector, Maybe you didn't get an R2 because he's really expensive now, and this is your way to get that R2. But you got the Han. The Han was released again in that pack that ended up on Toys R Us clearance. And speaking of six-inch figures, of course, the biggest news at Celebration, and we had to bite our tongues because we knew about this a little bit in advance, the return of the vintage collection in highly articulated three-and-three-quarter-inch form. Yeah, it was rough sitting on that news. Let me tell you, it was hard. And that they did perhaps the fastest fans choice poll they've ever done. I mean, they've often announced these in spring and then they have fan sites like us do the polls and then they give it to Hasbro and Hasbro goes to StarWars.com for the finalists. And then at San Diego Comic-Con, they have the big reveal. Well, this one went from we were allowed to announce it to complete in record time. And there was so much discussion because those people who supposedly pushed for Jaina Solo, who looks like an awesome figure too. They just did an amazing job with that Jaina Solo figure in that they actually took Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford's faces and used a computer to merge them and an artist to bring each of their distinctive qualities into a figure face that's amazing. But Apparently, there was a movement to get Ben Skywalker as the figure now. You know, people are really taking this vote almost as seriously as they are taking the presidential election. and So not seriously at all? No, I mean, people are vicious and venomous about this. And there's people stuffing the ballot like they did with Jaina Solo. People are upset that Dr. Afra won. Yeah, now here's something very interesting. Yoda's News did some math and went to all of the sites like ours who submitted our top six. The Tonica sisters were on a lot of sites' top six. To be honest, I was feeling bad that the Tonica sisters ranked where they did because I talked about them on the show. And I was afraid, did I influence the vote? Or did I mobilize people? 
I like to know that our listeners are representative or at least voting other places. So when I saw the Tonica sisters were high on our list, I certainly submitted them and I was happy for it, but I thought we'd be an anomaly. But then I saw like 11 sites were submitting the Tonica sisters. And yet, when the final six went up, there were no Tonica sisters. That seems kind of weird. Well, this could go back to that old rumor as to why a podcast called Victoria's Cantina did an interview with Angela Staines, who played one of the Tonica sisters in Star Wars. And Angela said on that podcast, she never signed over her likeness rights. They asked her to. She asked for money. They said they're not paying her. And they're afraid of her suing them if they make her figure. Okay, but didn't we know that they didn't sell their likeness rights anyway? Didn't we know this already? This is the first time she's ever said it, like, on tape, on the record, and given credence to that reason. However, the other Tonica sister did sign over her rights, so maybe they could make one? I don't know, but... This interview on Victoria's Cantina does give some credence and the fact that so many sites submitted the Tonica sisters and they did not appear in that final poll. That is rather suspicious. But the winner is Dr. Afra. Can't say I'm a longtime fan of Dr. Afra, as Dr. Afra isn't a character that's been around very long. No, 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 no. I mean, she first appeared in the March 2015 issue of Darth Vader. So two years in winning a fan's choice poll, that's pretty badass. But I gotta say, she has the most kick-ass pair of droids on the planet with Triple Zero and BT-1. I mean, those were the Kotobukiya exclusives I loved most from Celebration. I was really hoping that we'd get somebody we've never had like the Tonica sisters or maybe something deep from the EU or something like that. But maybe this... How does this not qualify as deep from the EU? It may not be old, but it is deep. True. And the finalists were Dr. Afra, Sim Alu, who is a name you may not know, but it's the Imperial Dignitary, one of the ones on the Death Star at the end. And if that's not exciting, what makes Sim specific is that was the one character that they made the vintage figure of. They've never made this figure, this vintage figure in the modern line. So he was a big one to get. They wanted Yak Face to be redone. And admittedly, we haven't had a Yak Face in a long time. They could do him better. Ahsoka Tano from Rebels. I'm surprised she didn't win, honestly. Yeah, I am too. Arc Trooper Fives. I think you're splitting your animation vote there. And then Emperor Palpatine, who... We've had a lot of Emperor Palpatine figures, but maybe they're looking at doing an ultimate one. But no, we're getting Dr. Afra, And I feel, you know what? I'm not a Dr. Afra fan where I would die for that figure. The figures I would really want Hasbro to make in these things are the ones that if I had time to customize, are the ones I'd customize myself. But I would never customize a Dr. Afra. But by the same token, it's probably our only chance ever to get one. So good job, Dr. Afra fans. I'll certainly be buying it. When I think vintage collection, I think Dr. Afra? Not really. And in more Hasbro news, Hascon. Okay, so we have mentioned Hascon a few times. Now we'll tell you what it is if you haven't heard or guessed already. It is a Hasbro convention. Mm, they call it a family event. A family? Family. All caps F A N, then lowercase M I L Y. It's basically a celebration of the Hasbro properties that Hasbro owns. 
There's not going to be any Star Wars that I saw. Yeah, there is. It's on the press release. Here's what it says in the press release to get to the good part. This unique event will bring Hasbro's most iconic brands to life like never before, including Transformers, My Little Pony, Nerf, Magic the Gathering, Play-Doh, Monopoly, and G.I. Joe, and exceptional partner brands such as Beyblade, DreamWorks Trolls, and Sesame Street. Fans will get a peek behind the Hasbro curtain during three days filled with exciting first-look previews and panels from Hasbro's biggest television and movie series. I'm going to skip a paragraph where it talks about Beyblade, Play-Doh, Nerf, Magic, My Little Pony, Street, and Trolls. In addition, there will be activities inspired by several iconic Disney properties, including Disney Princess, Frozen, Elena of Avalor, Moana, and Descendants 2, as well as Star Wars and Marvel's Avengers, Spider-Man, and Guardians of the Galaxy. From movie props and costumes on display, to hands-on fun through art tutorials and more, these areas will be can't-miss destinations during the show. Hascon tickets are on sale now. Single-day tickets are available for $30 for youth, ages 3 to 15, and $60 for adults, ages 16 plus. Three-day tickets range from $75 for youth, age 3 to 15, to $165 for adults, ages 16 plus. VIP packages are also available for superfans and the most enthusiastic collectors, starting at $200 for youth, ages 3 to 15, and $600 for adults, ages 16 plus, plus taxes. To purchase tickets and to stay up to date on the latest information on Hascon 2017, please visit hascon.hasbro.com. They should pay you to make a radio commercial for this. I just want us to get that out there. Sunday, 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 Sunday at Hascon. Yeah. Here's what the thing is, is Star Wars and Marvel, the two things that would get me there, are in the also-ran category of, and other things we'll be doing. Now, here are their guests. That was in the paragraph I skipped. Appearances and meet and greets will be available with some of the biggest names from Hasbro, including Dude Perfect, Lorenzo D. Bonaventura, producer of the Transformer films, as well as G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, and G.I. Joe Retaliation. Stan Lee, Marvel Comics legend. Peter Cullen and Frank Welker, original Transformers voice talents. All right, eight-year-old me would geek out at meeting them. Andrea Liebman and Kathy Wisluck, voice talent from My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, and My Little Pony the Movie. Chewbacca mom, Candace Payne, and more. So given that that's the guest list... But no, I don't see us going. I did check out the VIP packages. There's the regular super fan, and then there's super fans for Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons. And basically, you get a little swag bag, and you get access to the panels, but you got to arrive early, and there's VIP seating there. And then there's also like a little VIP area where you can get light snacks and water, and that's about it. Now, it does say there will be exclusive toys available. But it doesn't say what, given the focus on their brands, I'm thinking that it won't be Star Wars or Marvel exclusives. And it specifically says in the press release that limited quantities of the exclusives will be available on HasbroToyShop.com after HasCon. So if anyone in the area is going, please reach out to us. I'd love to hear a report from it. But no, I'm not going to make this must stop conning this year. I don't want to speculate too much. I'm going to keep an eye. And as we get more releases from Hasbro and as we get more information, we'll find out. But based upon the press release, Star Wars and Marvel fans, this is for Hasbro properties. I think 
G.I. Joe fans, Transformer fans, Beyblade, you guys, this is your jam. And speaking about hearing from others in the collecting community, because it is the 40th anniversary of Star Wars, a few of the Star Wars Action News team wanted to share their reflections on their four decades of fandom. We have Brock, Andrew, and Justin from Marvelicious joining us to tell us about their collecting memories of the 40th anniversary of Star Wars. First up is Andrew. Hey everybody, Andrew here, and I'd like to talk to you about a long time ago. A time before Star Wars Action News. A time before Gentle Giant, Sideshow, and Hasbro. Yes, even a time before my beloved Hot Toys. You know, I've got some great memories about collecting Star Wars. I mean, the hobby has changed a lot in the last 40 years, hasn't it? I still remember guessing that my Nana and Papa were getting me a Millennium Falcon for my birthday. And I remember laying out all of my Kenner figures in rows to match the lineup on the card backs to figure out which ones I was missing. Heck, I even remember the smell of Leia's rubbery boosh helmet. It had a very distinct smell. Definitely different from the figure itself. But really, the collecting memory that stands out the most for me is the day that I realized that Star Wars toys were more than just toys. They were collectibles. You see, when I was a kid, my parents owned a small antiques business. And of course, I got to spend many a weekend tagging along with them to antique shows that they were selling at. And man, was it boring. With a capital B, boring. Old, dusty-smelling rugs, old vases, old glasses and chinaware. And the smell of those halls. Something akin to decades-old potpourri that'd been smothered in maple syrup and then lit on fire. Needless to say, I could have thought of any number of places I'd rather be than in one of those antique fairs. But then one fateful day, I was probably ten or so, I was wandering the hall of some antique fair with my mom and my sister, dreaming of spending the day playing Nintendo, and my dad came up to me and said, Hey, I I found something for you. Oh boy. (laughs) What could it be? I wasn't too excited to say the least. But you know, it turns out I shouldn't have doubted my dad. He held out his hand, and in it was a shiny, vac-metalized Death Star droid. (laughs) You know, it was all dinged up, and some of the black paint on its eyes had been scratched off, but that didn't matter. My eyes had been opened. They sell Star Wars toys at antique shows? I couldn't believe it. From that day forward, any time my parents took us to an antique fair, or a flea market, or some old used bookstore, I went on the hunt. Of course, I was only 10, so I didn't have much money to spend and would usually only come away with a well-loved, beat-up figure, but, but that didn't matter. You see, my dad sparked something in me that day, and I grew from a kid playing with his toys to being a true Star Wars collector. So thanks, Dad, for sending me down this road, which has led to a greater appreciation of antiques, flea markets, and the obsession of collecting. And thanks for the storage space you've lent me in your basement. I swear I'll get those Star Wars totes out of there someday. (laughs) That's really funny because for, let's see, episode three came out in 2005. For 22 years in my godparents' basement were very large boxes full of my Star Wars toys that my parents refused to keep. They wanted to throw out a garage sale. I insisted on keeping them, even if I didn't have 
the desire to keep them in my own room when I was a teenager. And so they stayed in my godparents' basement for 22 years until I reclaimed them upon getting my own house. I don't think it was so much that you reclaimed them as they immediately brought them over and said, hey, you have your own house now? Get this out of our basement. Still, they were quite well protected in their basements. They were. They were very well protected. And Andrew, your stories made me think back to some of mine. I mean, I've talked many times on the show about going to the Kroger grocery store and getting my first Star Wars action figure, that Greedo. Didn't even know it was part of Star Wars, just thought it was a little green man with a gun come to kill all humans, and so I loved him. I might not have been a normal four-year-old, but you got me thinking about other figures back then. And really reminiscing about the childhood of playing with figures and playing with my friend Billy who lived around the corner and he had his Star Wars figures I had mine. We'd coordinate which ones we were each buying so that when we played together we'd have the most characters available. And he always blamed me for the loss of his power droid because... One day we were out riding big wheels with our Star Wars figures, pretending our big wheels were X-Wings. And my big wheel had this little pocket where I could carry figures, and he was jealous his didn't have one. And then I showed him a fence post that if you lift it up, it was full of cement. You could lift up the lid, and you could stick figures in there. And I said, go ahead, stick your figure in here. And so he did. And then he wanted to put another one. So we lifted up the other fence post. It didn't have cement. It went all the way down into the ground. His power droid went six feet down in that post and was never to be seen again. You should send him a power droid. He and I lost contact after he burned down his own house. Oh, okay. And I think about how my mom, perhaps I was the kind of kid who would try to talk the tooth fairy up a few quarters i couldn't buy a star wars figure for a quarter so i made it kind of well known to my parents that i'd be really grateful if the tooth fairy brought me a star wars figure instead of a quarter for my next tooth and sure enough when i got home from school there was a carded vintage x-wing luke when i was man six Aww. i remember my sister who was 13 years older than me and she'd gotten her first job And I think she was feeling pretty wealthy and wanted to splash it around at Christmas. For she showed up my parents when I was, I think, six again, maybe seven, by getting me my favorite Christmas gift, the vintage Millennium Falcon. And she even threw in a Star Wars vinyl record on top, but it actually turned out not to be licensed. My brother got the Falcon, and we played with that so much. In fact, my brother had a lot of toys. The Falcon used to land at Castle Grayskull. (laughs) <laughs> and play with He-Man. And we had a lot of Star Wars figures. My parents also were into antiques and they weren't dealing in them, but I got drugs at antique stores quite a bit, Andrew. I understand your pain there. And the smells associated with antique stores. See, I never got dragged to antique stores. Oh. Thank God. I got dragged to malls all over Chicago and St. Louis and various cities and sometimes Canada. And for all the clothes shopping and various other shopping my mother did, I would be quite satiated if she'd either get me a Star Wars novel or figure. Next up, Brock. Hello, everybody. This is Brock with my 40th anniversary of A New Hope collecting memory. The earliest memory I have of collecting and playing with my Kenner toys was about 1979, maybe 1980. And it was in my mother's room 
I was playing with my Lance Beater. I had a very small collection at the time. My brother was the one collecting toys and had more than I did. I had a Kenner Lance Beater. Snaggletooth was driving it alongside of Luke Skywalker, X-Wing pilot, and Snaggletooth being a little red one, of course. And uh, we had a storm. I had a stormtrooper, and I would borrow my brother's Ben Kenobi. That was a bit of a problem for him. He didn't like me borrowing his figures without me asking. Um, he had a much bigger collection. He had the Luke Skywalker Tatooine. He had Princess Leia and all that stuff. I didn't. I didn't have those at the time. And I remember I had distinctly this memory of me playing on my parents' carpet on the floor with, with my toys. Around that time, I remember my brother did have an X-Wing, but it was in pieces because him being, you know, we're both younger then, he threw it down the stairs thinking it could fly. Chewbacca was piloting, did not do a good job, obviously. And so it was just in pieces. We never really had a, a chance to play. And one of the wings of our TIE fighter was always missing. I couldn't find it. So he also had the Death Star playset. And uh, years later, when uh, I was still playing with the toys and he had moved on, I would try to put that thing together best I could, but we're always just missing pieces, you know, because we were younger, we weren't taking care of these as well. I still have all these toys, by the way. They're in very well-played-with condition, which is one of the reasons I started collecting Full Hog in 1995 when the stuff came back out, because, you know, I wanted it uh, in, in better condition. I didn't start getting a, my own figure collection until I would guess it had to be Christmas 81 with the Empire Strikes Back collection. I did get some, I'm, I'm sure an 80, but I, I remember distinctly Christmas of 81 getting a, a giant bag, just like a shopping bag full. All three of us did. Got a big giant shopping bag full of figures. It was awesome. We got the ad at that, I think it was that year, maybe the year after. Anyway, and my brother stopped collecting uh, around 1982, definitely before Return of the Jedi came out. So uh, I had all these toys and I was playing with my collection just blew up because he just didn't want to play with them anymore. It was so awesome. And I also remember around this time, one of my earliest memories of Star Wars collecting and toys was Han Solo. Our Han Solos always got decapitated. Always. We had both versions of A New Hope Han Solo. Small head, big head. The Hoth Han Solo, all of them got decapitated. They would fall down the stairs, whatever. They just get decapitated. And uh, we had the Han Solo and Carbonite from the Slave One. So for years when I was playing, Han Solo was frozen in Carbonite. Lando Calrissian was piloting the Millennium Falcon because we didn't have another playable Han Solo figure. It wasn't until I got my Han Solo and trench coat in the Return of the Jedi collection, and I was so happy I did. Did I have a Han Solo with a head? And uh, I would just I would make sure when I play with him, I was so careful because I did not want him to be decapitated like the others. One more memory I have around this time uh, was when I was in kindergarten. There was promo shots, about four or five of the classic Star Wars promo shots. You know, the ones with Han, Leia, and Luke in the Death Star, the three of them together. But the one in particular in my head that I always remember, and when I think of kindergarten, this always pops in my head, is the picture of the four of them in the trash compactor with Han Solo in the Stormtrooper outfit holding up the pole to try to brace the walls. Whenever I see that image, I think of kindergarten and vice versa. So A New Hope is um, 40 this year, unbelievable. And I know, like many of you, on the today, on the 25th, I will be watching A New Hope, as I do almost every year. I'm not sure if all of you do, but almost every single year, and I say almost because some days I miss it by a day or two because of time, I tend to celebrate the birthday of A New Hope. But this year, absolutely, on the 25th, no question. So anyway, those are my earliest memories and collecting memories of Star Wars. Now back to Arnie and Marjorie. I absolutely love that thought. Because of now playing Obligations, Pirates of the Caribbean, I can't watch A New Hope on the 25th. But Marjorie, I think we have a plan for this weekend is to break out the Blu-ray or maybe the classic Laserdisc edition. I would like to see the classic Laserdisc edition as God intended. Lucas is God now. 
Well, actually, it's not what Lucas intended, so... I just don't want to see that Jabba the Hutt with the Falcon again. There's a lot of things that bother me. I was one of those nerds, and I guess... I don't know, maybe I'm just a fan. I don't want to label myself. But when the re-releases came out with my friend going, that's different, that's different. What What the hell is that? What's that? It was not good. It's okay, because I went with a friend of mine to see the re-releases, and... Every time something new on screen walked on, like the ASP-7 droid or the Ronto, my friend would just lean over and go, you have to buy three of those now. (laughs) He was right. Yes, he was. This is great. It's really spawning my childhood memories. And of course, I remember going on toy run after toy run and playing with my Death Star. I used the little crunch feature, you know, the screw feature that allowed the trash compactor wall to close until the figures popped out time and again. But you know what I think really deserves, if you can't watch Star Wars, you know what I'm going to do tomorrow because I can do this on breaks at work? I'm going to go to YouTube and watch the vintage Kenner commercials. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, I know it sounds a little cheesy, but those mean as much to me as the movies do. I mean, every Saturday morning, I'd go and I'd watch TV because there was no internet and there were no toy magazines. I had my Sears catalog every Christmas and I had the commercials and I had going to the store to let me know what toys were out and what toys were coming. And every Saturday morning, I'd wake up at 7 a.m. or sometimes 6 a.m. and run in and watch my cartoons and I would get excited every time there was a new ad. When the AT-AT ad came on, oh my God, and Wampa Wampa. I mean, I just, I remember all of those and the silly scenarios those kids would come up with. With 2-1-B, the medical droid, and all that. I think I'm going to definitely go back and watch old Kenner commercials for the 25th. And finally to join us, now playing Pirates of the Caribbean co-host, Justin. Hey everybody, Justin, co-host from Marvelicious Toys here. And I wanted to share with you my earliest collection recollection that I have. So this takes place way back when, when I was just a four-year-old little tyke. And uh, my folks had taken me to see Star Wars a handful of times by this point, so I'm thinking they were probably fans too. But uh, this isn't about seeing Star Wars, this is about collecting Star Wars. And I had um, I had a few things back then, you know, I had a puzzle of, you know, the, the detention center and stuff like that. But the thing that I really, really remember was playing in my basement one day, and my mom called me up to the kitchen... And she had in her hand a, a brown paper bag from the grocery store. And she said, all right, I want you to reach in and just pull out one. And I had no idea what she was talking about. But, you know, I, I remember reaching into that bag and feeling around. And I pulled out what would end up being an Obi-Wan Kenobi action figure. And I I was super excited. I didn't even know they made these things. And yet alone that they made a whole bunch of them. So I was just as jazzed as can be to have an Obi-Wan Kenobi action figure with a little lightsaber that came out of his arm. And I played with him all afternoon. And then, you know, I I went to bed and didn't think much about it. And the next day she did the same thing. And to make a long story short, she did this every day for the next 12 days. Because what she had done is she had gone out and bought all the action figures that were available at the time and put them in a bag and let me take one out and play with them each day. So I slowly grew a collection over the course of two weeks of these action figures from this Star Wars movie that I really loved. And, you know, 
I specifically remember having the vinyl cape Jawa, and I have no idea where that guy is now. I definitely don't have his cape. I might still have the old beat-up little figure rolling around somewhere, and along with my other figures that got a lot of playtime under a tree in my backyard. So <laughs> I don't I don't have a vinyl cape Jawa in my collection, but I might have the the remnants of a vinyl cape Jawa. But yeah, so I, I might have to blame my mom for this condition that I currently suffer, which is, you know, collecting pieces of plastic as a grown adult. She kind of planted that seed in me. So, yep, I just wanted to share that with everybody, and I hope everybody is having an awesome 40-year anniversary of this movie that brings us all together. It's, it's the movie that penetrates us, and it binds us all together. So, all right, with that, I'll give you back to Arnie and Marjorie. Yeah, I think I was subjected to Star Wars, too, because my parents, meaning my mom, really enjoyed it. One of my memories of seeing Star Wars in the theater was, as a reward for getting good grades, wink, wink, my mom took us to see Return of the Jedi, which I am 100% certain that's because my mom wanted to see Return of the Jedi, and she wanted us to go. My father doesn't like movies, so he was out of the question as far as going. I don't think my father's even seen Star Wars, to be honest. I don't think he knows anything about it. So that was a lot of fun. Me and my brother, there was a huge line. We didn't have very many movie theaters back in that day. So the line snaked around in this plaza and there's a guy dressing like Darth Vader. There was a toy store there that had Star Wars toys. I ended up working at Wells Fargo with the guy who dressed like Darth Vader. Are you kidding? I am not. Wow. He also had dressed like Darth Vader for Empire, and he was in the State Journal Register, our local paper, because it was the first time they'd seen cosplay. He wasn't there because he was hired to be. He was there because he was a fan. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. It was a great experience, and I'm glad that my mom took us because... I have a lot of good memories from that night. Like, for example, the speeder bike chase made my mother nauseous because it was just so intense at the time. And the screen was all encompassing and it was a lot of fun. I remember not wanting to get up and go to the restroom because I was just so into this movie. It was amazing. And then we have the lovely story where we were somewhere near each other in line. We hadn't met yet, but little kids, we were in line together. And what Justin says is true. I mean, this is a collecting show, and I want to keep the focus on collectibles and all. But truthfully, when I look at what has helped Star Wars influence my life, it's like when I look back at Celebration. Already, just a month away from Celebration, I'm forgetting the lines. I'm forgetting how horrible Topps was at managing the autograph area. I'm forgetting certain collectibles I've already bought what I remember is the good times and the friends that we have there and the people I met for the first time. And I think about Star Wars for my 40th anniversary memories. And how did I know who to hang out with on the playground? Well, who had the Star Wars figures? And you'd find people and you'd have that common interest. It was a huge movement in childhood for us in the 70s and the early 80s that that's one thing virtually every boy on the playground had in common. And everybody whose house I went to, they'd have Star Wars figures. I'd have Star Wars figures. I never had a TIE fighter. Some of them never had an X-Wing, but I did. I had the Dagobah one with all the dirt on it. Some of them had the New Hope one that didn't have the dirt. I never realized the only difference were extra decals they threw in that box. But Star Wars is a tremendous movie that has stood the test of four decades. It's created 
so many collectibles, both fun to own and ridiculous, like the C-3PO tape dispenser that is still one of my holy grails. And most importantly, like you say, Marjorie, you and I were in that same theater for Return of the Jedi, and all the people we've met along the way that we never would have, the best friends in our life, we know, because of Star Wars. Mm-hmm, including each other. And to finish off, we have Brock joining us a second time because he's got a book review. When we were at Celebration, Timothy Zahn's novel Thrawn got its release, and I still am stunned that was the collectible of Celebration is the Delray exclusive cover. I was so lucky that I made that my number one stop that first day because if you didn't go Thursday morning, you pretty much didn't get one unless you won literally a drawing. But for all its collectability, is it any good? Here's Brock to let us know about the new Canons version of Thrawn. This is Brock, Star Wars Action News Book Club Liaison, with a spoiler-free-as-possible review of Star Wars, Thrawn, by Timothy Zahn. Review copies courtesy of Delray Books and Delray Audio. One of the great tragedies for Star Wars fans with the start of the new canon and the designation of previous EU as Legends was the loss of some great characters we EU fans have universally loved and considered as much a part of the Star Wars lore as characters in the original trilogy. And Timothy Zahn, being the author of the first trilogy that kicked off EU in 1991, gave us arguably the two most popular and well-embraced characters by fans in Mara Jade and Grand Admiral Thrawn. Mara Jade has not yet returned to the new canon, but thankfully, because of the animated Star Wars Rebels series on Disney XD, Grand Admiral Thrawn has been given a second chance at life, literally, as part of the Star Wars universe. For those listening who are interested in Star Wars novels who haven't read Mr. Zahn's seminal and, dare I say, classic Thrawn trilogy from the early 1990s, Heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, and The Last Command, I will simply say that even though it isn't continuity any longer, you should still read that trilogy. Star Wars Thrawn marks Mr. Zahn's first novel in the new continuity, and after reading this novel, I hope this is the first of many to come. I found his writing in this book to be some of his best. Even though I have read a lot of Timothy Zahn books over the years, it isn't fair for me to say that I've read a lot of Timothy Zahn books over the years. It is more fair and accurate to say I have read a lot of Timothy Zahn Star Wars books over the years. And he knows how to write for Star Wars. The man can craft a story, write a fair action scene, create likable new characters, and agreeably write for and well represent our beloved Star Wars heroes and villains. And surprise a reader on all of those fronts. Sure, there are a few disenchanting moments in some of his works, some pacing issues here and there that didn't really agree with me, but unquestionably, he is a great author for Star Wars, and the powers that be were wise to have him back to write for his character a new novel to tie into Thrawn's return into Star Wars canon. What I like about this book is that it assumes you are familiar with the Thrawn character from other sources, but it still gives the reader enough of an introduction in case they are not. Mr. Zahn doesn't linger on the backstory of Teenage Thrawn, thank goodness. He is economical in getting Thrawn and the other characters where he needs them to be by the end to have it all fit into the new continuity. I can see how not spending time in Chiss space may annoy some readers and how much of a span of time is covered in the 400 plus pages here when they really could have lingered more, perhaps with two books worth, but... 
I, for one, am thankful for the chosen format for the most part, including the pacing. Zahn doesn't juggle multiple storylines to the length he was in the Thrawn trilogy. There aren't an abundance of new characters that need introductions like in Scoundrels. This book is a streamlined, straightforward piece providing individual adventurous episodes that all tie together in the end. And we get to spend a maximum amount of time with the titular character, reading as he interacts with the new and classic characters, and how he outsmarts leaders and subordinates, Imperial allies and insurgent antagonists alike. This Thrawn novel is in many ways like the recent Tarkin novel by James Lucino. It's the same sort of book, telling the story of the early days of the Imperial career of a known character, while serving as a bit of an introduction to the same. Mr. Lucino went much more into the backstory of Tarkin's youth than Mr. Zahn does here with Thrawn, and about how he came to be the man he was. And at the start of the book, Thrawn is indeed a little younger than we have seen him before, but he is already an adult and not necessarily inexperienced. This book begins with a fun episode of how Thrawn enters into the Imperial Navy, which doubles as the aforementioned character introduction, and then the book chronicles Thrawn's rise from Lieutenant to Grand Admiral as he learns about the ins and outs of the galaxy far, far away, culminating in Thrawn's book-long battle of wits and eventual drawing out of the insurgent leader, which has a fulfilling conclusion plot-wise for the novel and for these first stages of Thrawn's Imperial career. While the Imperial prejudice against non-humans is constantly mentioned in the book, we don't see Thrawn really facing off against or directly conquering that sort of adversity. And for the first half of this book, I thought we were being set up for those themes to come into play, especially with the character Ensign Vanto being set up with the same sorts of issues, hailing from the edge of known and wild space, so himself an outsider on the urban planet of Coruscant. We do see Thrawn disliked and schemed against for his lack of playing the bureaucratic game, for being too efficient, for getting such good results that makes others look bad, and I can see how the racism towards Thrawn in these instances is implied, but we don't see it come to a head. I bring this up because there is a definite opportunity in a book about the rise of this particular character in the Imperial Navy for a strong anti-racism book in the Star Wars universe. Perhaps that would have been too on the nose and not allegorical enough, but alas, that was not the agenda nor the theme that this novel focuses on. I would like more of these new Star Wars books to explore real-world themes like Claudia Gray's Bloodlines did and even the first Aftermath book did, and they prove you can do it without being too preachy. But I digress. I've made my point. The book we do get tells the story of three individuals starting and achieving goals in their careers in the Empire. Thrawn, new character Ensign Eli Vanto, and Arinda Price from the Star Wars Rebels TV show. I don't think I learned all that much more about the character Thrawn depth-wise than I already knew from my previous experiences with the character, but man did I enjoy him here. Such a great character. We do get explanations, like with the prequel movies, for questions you may not have wondered all that much about before, such as why Thrawn joined the Empire and was not with the Chiss, or what knowledge Emperor Palpatine has to gain by having Thrawn in the Empire, how Thrawn rose to the rank of Grand Admiral, and how he earned his reputation. We don't see Thrawn coming into his own, as that is a story arc we get here for Governor Price. Thrawn, as we read from the beginning, has a natural gift for strategy, and has already formed his methods on how to learn his enemies' strengths and weaknesses in his years in the Unknown Regions. 
When we first break away from Thrawn's story and go to a chapter about Arinda Price, I wasn't quite getting the need for it. The next few times, they started to seem unnecessarily tangential. But thankfully, it all comes together, and I found I enjoyed what the author did with Arinda, how her character learned and hardened from her experiences we read about in this book. With Thrawn's Imperial aide Eli Vanto, we see the life of the unexpected career path and what opportunities can come from not getting what you want or what you think you want as a younger person. Of these three main characters, I enjoyed Vanto the most, his character arc the most satisfying. He often fills the role that Pelion did in the original Thrawn trilogy, where Thrawn used the Socratic method, seemingly to groom and teach the officer, but really, Vanto is serving as the audience surrogate, asking the questions for and coming to the conclusions for the reader, all the while benefiting the characterization of Thrawn as being so many steps ahead, the smartest one in the proverbial room. There are some humorous moments when Vanto translates words for Thrawn into basic from Thrawn's native language. Words like monofilament line. I was like, why on Tatooine did he know such a specific word in Thrawn's native tongue? Lastly, what this Thrawn novel does well is further strengthen links in the new canon across multiple eras. With links from the prequel era, the Empire's reign between the first two movie trilogies including Rebels, the OT era, and even links to the First Order that were first mentioned in Aftermath Empire's End. And we weren't overly burdened with any of that with large passages of exposition or recaps from shows or novels we may not have read. The links are there for you to pick up on if you're in the know, but aren't necessary for the reader to pick up on for this story to work. But if you're watching the Rebels cartoon, this book ties in beautifully with Thrawn's presence on that show. Star Wars Thrawn is a well-paced, always interesting, strong addition to the new Star Wars canon. One of the stronger ones we've read so far. Though lighter on certain themes than I expected, I was treated to some great vignettes of this master strategist in action. So great to have Thrawn back into play, and to have him as the main character, not just as the adversary for our heroes. I hope this will be the first of many new novels involving Thrawn, and one hopes the character sticks around a little longer this time around. For Star Wars Action News and the Star Wars Action News Book Club, this is Brock. Now back to Arnie and Marjorie. Thank you, Brock. And thanks to Timothy Zahn. I tried four times to get his autograph at Celebration. The lines were always capped when I got there. I feel great. I was able to get his autograph at C2E2. The lines were long there, but I was able to get in, get the autograph, get out. He was a very cool guy and was giving everybody an autograph poster just for showing up. Well, that's awesome. So thank you all for listening. Happy 40th anniversary of Star Wars. We will talk to you next time. May the pegs be stocked and the force be with you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can find pictures of the toys reviewed, chat with other Star Wars collectors, and find hundreds of Star Wars Action News episodes at our website, SWActionNews.com. This podcast is created by Star Wars fans showing their love of Star Wars. We rely on listener support to keep the show going. You can pledge to our Podbean fundraising campaign by going to SWActionNews.com support. Backers get rewards including exclusive video content, early show releases, and more. 
You can also help out our show by telling your friends to listen by posting on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or in person. We would also greatly appreciate a five-star review written on iTunes. A link to our iTunes feed is at SWActionNews.com. We want your feedback on Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at SWActionNews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at SWActionNews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can also find Star Wars Action News on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. The links to our social media sites are at SWActionNews.com. You can also send us your latest store reports, figure reviews, and more. Email us an MP3 or iPhone voice memo at show at SWActionNews.com. All content received is subject for use on the show. If you also enjoy Marvel Comics, you can hear Arnie and Marjorie talk about the toys and statues based on Marvel Comics characters on the Marvelicious Toys podcast at MarveliciousToys.com. Star Wars Action News is always looking for new people to help with the show. You can find a list of skills we need on our blog at VenganzaMedia.com. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, edited, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. Video editing by Barrett, Andrew, and Daryl. Website design by Jason. Graphic design by Jay. Photo editing by Scott and Curtis. Announcements by Brock. Segments created by Andrew, Brock, Daryl, Jerry, Jonathan, Nathan, and Steve. For more Star Wars collecting, check out GalacticHunter.com, JediDefender.com, JediTempleArchives.com, and YakFace.com. And we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. Star Wars and all that the Star Wars universe contains is trademark and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company. All rights reserved. Star Wars Action News is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2017, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. But I think all the companies blew their wad on May the 5th. No, not on May the 5th. <coughs> no, nobody blew their wad on May the 5th. Then they have the Guerra de Astele. Guerra de Astele. That's an Italian one, huh? Then they have the Italian one, Guerra de Astele. And...